This is episode 54 of Alohomora for October 26th, 2013. everybody and welcome to Alohomora. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Kat Miller. And I'm Michael Harley. And our guest on this episode is Brizzy. Brizzy Voices, as you may know her from YouTube. Hi, Brizzy. Hey, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. So we, no, know, you're, we know you're a huge Harry Potter fan. Oh, incredibly huge. Like, I've, I've listened to MuggleCast more than any of you know. So uh, a <laughs> big fan of MuggleNet for quite some time. And you're and now I have, I, go I have ahead. to ask Brizzy is is this is this your real voice? <laughs> um, you'll never know. You'll never <laughs> you'll, you'll never know if it's Brizzy speaking or me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Could be impersonating each other. What? So so tell us a little bit about yourself, Brizzy. Um, okay. Yeah. Huh? Hi. I'm Brizzy. Uh, also known as Brizzy Voices on YouTube. I have a channel that is mostly focused on doing impressions of cartoon characters or YouTubers. Recently, I did Harry Potter characters and a cover of Nightmare Before Christmas. This song, Kidnap the Santa Claus, um, are my most recent videos. And yeah, I, I, I'm a theater major at NYU. I want to be a voice actor and screen actor. And I used to play Quidditch for NYU, recently retired, but I still love the Quidditch. I'm on my way to the Midwestern Regional Championships right now. And yeah. That's me. That's Yippee. fantastic. And what, what, how, what, what house is she? What house are you? Ravenclaw. Hardcore Ravenclaw. Yes. yes. Three times yes. on Pottermore yes. into yes. Ravenclaw. Yes, yes, yes. I like to hear that. That's good. <laughs> so, two eagles and two puffs tonight. Oh, yeah. Not so bad. Wow. And I wanted to say real quick to you, Michael, um, and for the fans that don't yet know, um, welcome. You are now officially a host of Alohomora. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'm very excited to those to those of you out there listening. I'm so glad to join the show. And to those of you who think I'm annoying, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Eternal glory awaits <laughs> you, Michael. So, but this is yes, this is very exciting because Kat and the rest of the team had asked if I would join, and I was like, you know, I'm awfully busy, but at the same time, I can never turn down an opportunity. To talk about you Harry Potter on a regular time. basis. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So or, welcome. You know, get a time turner. Oh, time turner. Oh, oh I wish I had a time. Oh, God. <laughs> let's not get back into time turner rage, okay? We left that behind us last Moving book. on. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> moving on. We do want to remind all of our listeners and fans, before you listen to this episode, make sure that you have read chapter 16 of Goblet of Fire, The Goblet of Fire. Oh, the self-titled chapter this week. Oh, ho, ho. So obviously the most important. <laughs> obviously. Yeah, don't skip this one. But as usual, before we move on to our chapter for this week, we're going to read some discussion points from our chapter last week. So this one comes from our audio boo channel, The Owlry, and it comes from Pigwidgeon on the forums. Have a listen. Hi, guys. This is Pigwidgeon from the forums. I wanted to make a comment about the Imperious Curse and Harry fending off the Imperious Curse in the Defense Against the Dark Arts class. Instead of saying that just because Harry is the hero that he's able to push away the Imperius Curse so quickly, maybe it's because of the Horcrux. 
of Voldemort inside of him that is so that is able to push away the Imperious Curse because Voldemort is such a powerful wizard that perhaps it was that that pushed it away, not just because Harry's a great wizard. He's kind of an average wizard for a while. Um, so, yeah, that's just what I wanted to say. Not trying to support the whole, like, Harry can do anything or whatever, but just giving him kind of an excuse, even though the... The Horcrux is kind of his excuse for just about everything that he can do, unfortunately. For the most part. He's still brave and a great Gryffindor and everything, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I think that would make sense if it were Voldemort who were casting the spell, but since it's moody, I don't hmm. know if it's relevant. Okay, I can see that. Um, maybe it is, though, because uh, because of Voldemort as like a master manipulator or master legilimens or whatever that any part of him when attacked by the Imperius is like, please, this is ridiculous, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gonna... yeah, perhaps it is like really? a like a curse immunity shot sort of thing. <laughs> yes, yes. Do you, do you think um, it's like, because we know that the Horcruxes are really hard to destroy. So do you think it's like just a defense mechanism of the Horcrux? It could be. Oh. Um, that could I be mean, alternate, I mean, the way, the way that, uh, the way that Brizzy just put it too, the, the fact that it's like, defense uh for the soul i mean that is what a horcrux is anyway isn't no, it? no that's true um I did. a curse it, it's against curses and it is if somebody were to cast the death curse in voldemort's body he'd still live and all that stuff so yeah it does kind of have a a thing against curses doesn't it i i, I think it yeah, at least you know i'm glad that somebody thought to explain this just because when i was reading that segment uh, I remember thinking, gee, he learned this awfully fast as compared to like Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> that's true. Where that's it took true. him forever to learn the Patronus charm. Um, yeah, because that, that's a happy thing. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> that should come easier. Yeah, and so like the first class, he's learning to throw off an unforgivable curse and his head's just like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to jump on the desk. And he's like, oh, well, that was quick. So... Of course, I mean, he didn't do it completely successfully. He, like, fractured his kneecaps. <laughs> I know. Poor <laughs> Harry. Just another day at Hogwarts. It's okay. It's a wizarding world. It doesn't matter. It doesn't just matter. Fix it. <laughs> Two seconds. It just grows right back. That had to hurt, though. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Repair your kneecaps. <laughs> oh, my God. You think they use that in the hood? <laughs> that would have been convenient at the Quidditch World Cup. Yeah, it would. I broke That's my collarbone so just <laughs> to throw that out there. For the collarbone, oh, wow. That's true. Gosh. Quidditch is rough, You have folks. another one, right? It's rough. <laughs> I do have another one. <laughs> they do give you two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our next comment here comes from Spectacularly Hypothetical, which is a great name, just for the record. Yes, Beautiful. It says, I am a teacher, and one of the biggest challenges is working with pupils with English as an additional language, so E-A-L and making sure that they are comprehending the work as well as the kids with English as their first language. I really love the idea that the Hogwarts teachers have got an extra challenge this year with teaching the bunch of kids who have additional needs. Can you imagine a potions class with Snape having to contend with French students? <laughs> I can see uh, a, a, a male French uh, Beaubaton student like showing up Snape in cooking or something. <laughs> like, you know, really like a... Like a Oh, what's what's the non-offensive way of saying this? Uh, a very um, prim uh, cook, chef, uh, getting into it with Snape. But maybe that isn't funny at all. Ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Ooh, Michael didn't like it. No, I just thought this comment was really funny because I guess I hadn't thought about 
the fact that maybe not all of them speak English. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I haven't even thought about the fact that they would be taking classes there. <laughs> but yeah, they're there all year. Of course, they're taking classes. <laughs> it's interesting. There's 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 ten of them, I guess, from each school, and they must be educated somehow. Yeah, I had I, never put it together. I because I had just assumed that they stayed on like stayed in their you know the the Bobaton stayed in their carriage and the, yeah. the Durmstrang stayed on the ship Maxim and then teaches yeah, and yeah. Teaches. <laughs> yeah that that may All be an unreasonable courses. explanation considering that's one teacher teaching lots of different courses but <laughs> <laughs> oh, but they're headmasters they know their stuff they they know everything <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be like getting private lessons from Dumbledore yeah yeah i mean oh that's that, that's, that's later I mean, we're not there. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Different book. Sorry. Sorry. All right. So our last recap comment today comes from James Healy. And this is a really interesting theory. I want to see what you guys think. He says, I was just listening to the latest podcast and had an interesting thought. The four house elves mentioned seem to fit into the four houses of Hogwarts. I see Dobby as a Gryffindor because of the fact that even though he was in Slytherin house, he is brave enough to warn Harry about the upcoming threat as well as go against his own race. Hokey is obviously Hufflepuff, not only because of being a servant of a Hufflepuff descendant, but is also very loyal to her as well, which could be said of most house elves, but still. Creature is definitely a Slytherin, being both in the Slytherin house, but being, um, sorry, but very power hungry and evil and thinking only of himself and the mud blood cause. He, like Snape, changes at the end of the story, but for the most part is a Slytherin. Winky is the only one I'm having a hard time placing in Ravenclaw, but I think the only the only way would be to say that she was wise enough to be able to hide the secret of the Crouches for so long and try to cover it up to stay loyal to her master, which I know is Hufflepuff, but still. Uh, <laughs> I think the first three obviously make lots of sense, and I think it's funny that it seems like they most of them seem to... It makes sense that they'd be sorted into the house of the humans that they're most that they get on best terms with, you know? <gasps> That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The concept of sorting house elves, I don't quite get it. But I mean, this 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 email um which James was kind enough to send in, it basically speaks for I think the case is made in it um that you're you're sorting house elves based on the families that they lived in essentially. I mean, or or it just so happens to coincide that creature is a Slytherin because he would grew up with Slytherins. It's just that house elves were raised to share the values that their owners had, um, you know, be it the most noble and ancient house of black with the mud blood craze and, and all that other stuff, or whether it's, um, who was the other example? Hokey. Uh, Hokey. Yeah. You know, I, I, I guess you could see Dobby because he was raised in the Malfoys as being a dissenting factor, but to be honest, Dobby's um Oh yeah, he's uniqueness. an oddball in general. That's that's a Yeah, <laughs> his uniqueness is is brought into question time and time again in the entire series, namely even in this chapter yeah. by Hagrid, um, which we're about to get to. But you know, I think for the most part it's just not applicable. You can't sort a house elf because we just don't know n- enough about them and we're always gonna end up sorting them with their owners. I think um simply because they're very loyal they're all very loyal, which I guess is a Hufflepuff yeah. trait. Which is why I liked the the email. Maybe it's like to say, "Oh, they're all Hufflepuff," or <laughs> or maybe another reason you could say that all house elves are Hufflepuff is because they work near the kitchens. Um, <laughs> near the, they're nearest to the Hufflepuff common room, so you know it's, it's <laughs> meant to true. be. But I, uh, I don't. I, don't I know. think that's an issue with pretty much any character in the series, though. Really, is that 
I mean, just like you were saying, Eric, you could like say, oh, well, they're all loyal to their masters. So they're all Hufflepuffs. But like there's there's aspects of, I think, all the houses and a lot of the other characters in the series, too. Uh, so I think you could just as easily easily look at a lot of these other characters and say, oh, yeah, I think they belong in this house or this house. Like at, at LeakyCon, there was a big discussion in the Hufflepuff uh, panel about uh, what other characters could be Hufflepuffs. Um, and there were a lot of different names that were thrown around. So I'm sorry I missed that. <laughs> thing um, is, it's really because... easy to sort pretty much anyone who is a nice person in the Hufflepuff. It's mm-hmm. hard to say, oh, you couldn't be a Hufflepuff, even, as long as the person is a nice, good well, friend. Then you know? again, then again, think about what Ernie McMillan and them yeah. did to Harry in yeah. Chamber of Secrets. They were uh, they were a piece of work. <laughs> is the only nice from one puff to a, to another. That's a mean <laughs> comment. Oh, um, well, and then yeah, like Zachariah Smith in Book Five. Oh, jerk! He's a jerk! Face. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So. But I am, to clarify, uh, Brizzy, I am a uh, Pottermore puff. Yes. <laughs> two puffs and, an, and two eagles in here. That's right. It was eagles. I'm glad you didn't say ravens. I heard that WB got it mixed up a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Sad. Even though Eric wears his Gryffindor robes to all the conventions. <laughs> I'm wearing, I'm secretly wearing Hufflepuff undies. Don't worry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have Gryffindor robes and scarves and ties as well, but I'm hardcore Ravenclaw. <laughs> Like for the longest time, you could really only get Gryffindor. In fact, when the theme yeah, park opened, yeah. mm-hmm. it was Gryffindor and Slytherin, and that was it. Exactly, which is really, really um, annoying. It's well, supremely annoying. Gryffindors are where it's at. Sorry. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, when I went to the studio tour, they have a whole wall that has a section for each house, and I bought like everything Ravenclaw they had on the shelf, <laughs> and was like, "This is the only place I'll ever be able to buy it. I'm taking it all home with me." <laughs> I think continuing the discussion on house elves too, like they're such a not free people that we just don't know them well enough as individuals. Um, this uh, this gentleman, you know, James mentioned the four house elves we happen to know more than more than people, but we know far more human characters. That's true. Um, you know, enough to say that they have personalities. House elves are not free, and therefore they're not allowed to have personalities. Dobby is For the most part, they enjoy being not free, unless they're Dobby, and so they're very go-with-the-flow creatures, so pretty much their personalities will probably go with their owners. Still, good theory, James. Good job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really interesting thoughts. Mm -hmm. All right, so now we're going to move on to the podcast question of the week responses that we got. Our question from the last episode was in that chapter we saw Durmstrang and Bobatons. Bobatons? Bobatons? Either way. Bobatons. Bobatons. Travel to Hogwarts in their magical transportation. But if the tournament were held somewhere else, how would Hogwarts travel to the other schools? What would we what would we <laughs> we being everybody because everybody who reads Harry Potter goes to Hogwarts. <laughs> what would the Hogwarts students do to show off and what would represent the school as well as an impressive method? of transport. So uh, I looked through all the responses on the Alahamora main site. This is where they all come from. And uh, the winning one, uh, the one that was mentioned the most, was the traditional Hogwarts Express. Uh, (laughs) It's so obvious. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's so, when when this question was asked last week, all of us were speechless. We were like, (laughs) Caleb came up with it. We were like, this is the most amazing question ever. We have no idea. Would they take Thestrals? Would they, they just, 
they just don't travel. What did they just? <laughs> they don't do it. How, what would they do? They're so sheltered. And then to see that, yeah, to see that these answers were collated like this. By the way, nice job, Michael. Oh, thank you. Um, but that Hogwarts Express is listed first. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. But 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 a lot of a lot of um, the fans came up, tried to come up with some creative ways to get the Hogwarts Express. There, although some of them explained, like uh, Pig Desk, and this was also suggested by Stone Hallows, uh, but Pig Desk said, Hogwarts is not about being grand, it's they're humble. I do not think Dumbledore would care to make a grand entrance. He would rather have an honest display of his students' talents to express their prowess and grandness. There is nothing more Hogwarts than the train, and no better way to travel than with underage wizards and witches than by a portkey. So why not combine the two? So they basically suggest, Pig Desk suggested, turning the Hogwarts Express into a giant portkey. <laughs> That's insanity. At first I thought they were suggesting you take the Pig Desk to the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pig Desk. <laughs> Yes. That was actually, there was a suggestion that it did involve uh, pigs. Uh, Cassandra Vablotsky <laughs> uh, suggested, might it be appropriate to arrive in a coach or chariot pulled by flying hogs? Uh, <gasps> uh, she was inspired by the description of the Hogwarts gates, which uh, in, are mentioned in winged Half-Blood boars. Prince, uh, as each topped with a winged boar. Uh, she also mentioned that dislike or fear of pigs, as mentioned on Potterborn, was at one time considered to be a sign of pure blood status. So arriving in a pig-drawn vehicle might conceivably be a way of demonstrating Dumbledore's rejection of pure blood ideology. Oh my uh, god. That girl is a Ravenclaw. Uh, <laughs> right? I can feel hey it. Hey now, don't judge. I actually thought that was I thought that was a pretty cool idea. That's some, brilliant. Some people did point out that that might be cruelty to pigs, to transfigured pigs. <laughs> so, <laughs> which we, you know, continue to have What about the flying about. horses? I mean, come on. Yeah, true. It's true. Are they mistreated? No, they get all the mead they want. <laughs> Isn't it double barrel whiskey? Malt whiskey. whiskey? Single malt Single malt whiskey? whiskey? Yes. Uh, Agri the finest Hagrid. Single malt. Hagrid. I protest. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few other no. mentions of the Hogwarts Express, including Maureen, who mentioned that the Hogwarts Express could travel through the Channel Tunnel from England to France. And uh, Wikipedia <laughs> mentioned that the tunnel was opened on May 6th, 1994. So it's perfect oh timing for the book. <laughs> so there's a way there's a way so in fact in fact hogwarts could have created the tunnel <laughs> yeah. oh Maybe. plot twist so there were a lot of different ways to get the train there um the second most popular suggestion was actually thestrals uh this was suggested by iproud hufflepuff one amanda curry and hp firebolt seven uh, but I Proud Hufflepuff said, I think they would rely on Thestrals. Thestrals are already used to pull the carriages. That itself would be flashy enough. You think seeing a carriage being pulled by a horse is cool? Imagine a flying <laughs> carriage. Imagine a carriage being pulled by nothing. Um, I don't know if the... Now, I was wondering, could the Thestrals... They can fly, but do you think they could carry a carriage and fly? They're not giant horses. They're just horses. I think they're pretty magical. I think they could pull that off. I think they can fly with the carriage? Yeah, I think they could pull it off. Yeah, they aren't that giant. Well, it, it kind of brings into question for me the size of the Bobaton's carriage because uh, we do learn or it, it is stated there's actually only a handful less than a dozen people from each school at Hogwarts it's not yeah. by any means the entire congregation of the school yeah. um so the fact that they would need this huge carriage pulled by giant winged horses is kind of excessive actually well they're um, fancy they're, they're not green though 
the, the carbon emissions <laughs> those horses it's just got to be through the roof oh my god i don't want to think about where yeah, their that's, emissions go that's that's horrifying well mm. speaking of giant creatures pulling things along there's some just with giant footprints <laughs> so. well because some of our fans suggested of all things that this was the third most popular idea dragons um wow. this was suggested cool. by both fred weasley's ghost and caitlin k caitlin said it seems like every year dragons are mentioned in passing or involved somehow even in hogwarts's motto so let's let them ride dragons yay <laughs> <laughs> rosie would like that of course you know a lot of people in uh on the forum were pointing out that that Probably would not be legal, <laughs> <laughs> but it still sounds pretty awesome. Uh, a lot of people. Well, if one of the how how cool would it be? How up how upstaging would it be for? Because the first task is to ride dragons for that for Hogwarts to have shown up, you know, on a dragon. dragon. <laughs> yeah, so awesome. we got this. <laughs> Ten Piece points. of cake, <laughs> like a boss. <laughs> Done that. Been there. Thanks very much. <laughs> but there were a, a lot of other fantastic ideas. Uh, most of them were inspired by the fact that Hagrid works at Hogwarts. So a lot of people thought that uh, creatures, fantastic creatures, you might even say, uh, were um, would be involved. Uh, well, let's see. One of them was, uh, oh, uh, Feathersickle7662. This was also suggested by Marge Miller, but I liked what Feathersickle said about this. Uh, she said, I think that a flock of hippogriffs would be used as transportation. We see how proud these animals are, so being used like a form of transportation would be degrading to them. So being able to train them to do this would be extraordinary in itself. Uh, oh, that sounds so mean. I know. That, that's kind of mean-spirited. <laughs> show our dominance. Other suggestions. We'd end up having to have, like... Um... Was I going to say courtship of the hippogriffs in order to <laughs> be, people would be walking away with like um, what's the word uh, it's marriage contracts uh, it's, you know it's, it's sort of it's, it's just, so it's honorable enough for for the hippogriffs to um, to take them right, yeah. you know, <laughs> life partnerships and, and those sorts there'd of things. there'd be a high high divorce rate between <laughs> wizards and hippogriffs there were a lot of other fantastic suggestions including owl flocks riding bareback on acromantulas. Riding on the oh, giant dear. squid. Oh my <laughs> god! Oh, I like it. The uh, just it bursts out like a whale <laughs> or a shark. You would, they'd, the of course, they'd have to. You, this is assuming that all the schools have a lake by them. If they mm. yeah. that would be unfortunate. Right. Uh, I liked the suggestion that they use the toilet flush system from the uh, Ministry of Magic. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opposite of an answer. Somebody was trolling our <laughs> Hogwarts isn't going to be like, surely they have toilets. Let's go via toilet. <laughs> so yes, there were a lot of fantastic, very creative. Se- Which one would you guys take if you had to choose one of these? The toilets. I mean, come on. No, I mean, no. Oh, yeah. Um, I love the idea of an owl flock, like maybe in the movie Up with balloons. <gasps> except with <owls>. Yes. <laughs> That's all I can think of. Is, oh, but is, the is, droppings, is, though. Mm. Oh man! But a t- you had to ruin that. But a turret, <laughs> a, t- a turret of Hogwarts that detaches. Perhaps it's the Owlery itself, uh, tethered to large owl. <laughs> that would be beautiful <laughs> and smelly. <laughs> yes, I yes. think I'll just all go of like... these options are smelly options. Yeah, they are. Because they're all fantastic beasts, right? <laughs> yeah, we we got fantastic beasts on the brain. Yes, nice. I like. I like. I, I like. Eric, that you said up. I'll just, I'll just take balloons. I'll just ch- enchant some balloons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Um, 
I mean, you could probably Pretty make much. it to France, but I don't know how if you'd make it to Bulgaria. Is there like a good grip charm so I don't like let go just spontaneously? Um, that would be, that would be bad. Well, well, if you are the creme de la creme of Hogwarts, so ten students, uh, you pretty much have to be hardened enough to not let go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's part of the training process. Well, there were thirty of them, you see, but uh, <laughs> you know, they they let go. <laughs> what, what can we say? And that's that's right. I keep forgetting about that. It's not just one person holding the balloons. It would be like twelve people with a huge thing of balloons, like flocking towards the school. That would be incredible. Oh, wait, there's another thing to consider, though. Remember that Bobotonks and Durmstrang incorporated where they would sleep into how they transported. So, oh. okay, so it had if to be you, a form If you of use quarter. the toilets, where are you going to sleep at night? <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's a good point. <laughs> so we'll go with the train. We'll go with the yeah, train. Yeah, <laughs> express it is. Let's just go with the Suddenly, train. That seems, seems like a great idea. <laughs> I'll yeah. be snuggling up with hippogriffs. That sounds so comfy. Doesn't it? Yeah. Until they bite your face off. Until yeah, oh. right. <laughs> <laughs> their talons scratch well, at you least, in the middle at of the night. At least with, with Thestrals, you wouldn't even see it coming. <laughs> but in <laughs> Bing. Oh, ho, 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 ho. We are on it tonight, kids. We are on it tonight. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, now, normally, we would go to a pre-recorded clip which introduces uh, this upcoming chapter uh, of the series, but I have a feeling that with this episode, we will not be doing that. Oh, why not? Because I'm- <laughs> why do it pre-recorded when we can get the real deal live? Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Michael and Brizzy present chapter 16 of Goblet of Fire. Let's go. Chapter 16. The Goblet of Fire. Ah. Um, that was oh, a wonderful way to transition into uh, the 16th chapter of this book. Of course, the chapter starts right where the last one left off, with Victor Crumb walking up the grounds of Hogwarts, and Ron is just wetting himself with pride <laughs> and joy. But, you know, we're familiar with Victor Crumb, uh, said to be one of the best seekers in the world. Hmm, wish that came into play later in the book. Um, so I won't spend too much time on him. There is plenty uh, much else in this chapter. But essentially, the students are all entering the Great Hall. And there is a moment when we're not sure where they're going to sit. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting because Harry, of course, Ron, wants Victor to be sitting right by them. So you get maybe like his autograph and stuff. In fact, many people have the same, you know, thought in their heads. There's these girls who are apparently fighting over lipstick um, for, you know, which they want Crumb to use to sign their whatever it is. Their hat, book. I think. Let's just say, oh, hat. Yes. Um, which makes so even less sense. Ev- that's kind of... <laughs> right. <laughs> but yes, and and so everybody's kind of scrambling here, and, and it turns out that um, the Bobatons have made their decision prior to uh, Harry's arrival in the Great Hall, and the Bobatons are sitting with Ravenclaw. Come like are we meant do you guys think we're meant to equate that somehow like you can't help but like oh okay they're like ravenclaw right yeah it's obviously because their uniforms are blue that's the only reason (laughs) right it's the most like home i guess right (laughs) maybe maybe the ravenclaws are just the prettiest people in the great hall i would have to agree with that (laughs) 
Well, the Ravenclaws are prompt, right? Because they're there, obviously, early enough for Bobaton to sit with them. So, <laughs> right there, you go. Um, but the Durmstrangs haven't sat yet, and they're still uh, it's just a very fleeting moment where Ron thinks that <laughs> that Victor's going to sit with the Gryffindors, and How they don't. Uh, the Durmstrangs go and sit with the Slytherins, and Malfoy looks very smug about it. Can I just say I'm starting to like these new. I'm starting to like these Bulgarians less and less. <laughs> Can I just say when I was reading this and then when I found out that that um Rizzy was going to be the guest and kind of a voice actor, I was just like, "Oh, Ron's behaving like I do, like I'm going to do tonight." Like, <laughs> sit with me, Brizzy, Brizzy, be my friend. Brizzy, come on, let's, let's talk about voice acting. Oh that's my god, adorable. this is so much fun. Like that's that's how I am. Cat can testify to this because she commented on it at LeakyCon. But this is how I am, like around any person with any modicum of fame. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I totally understood Ron at this point. Like I love that we get it all through Harry's perspective, and Harry's just like, mm hmm. <laughs> would would you sleep on a camp bed for these people? Because Ron is willing to, which yes. I think is the best part. <laughs> yes. He's like, "There's a space in our bedroom, he's, he's Harry. Like, he space. can have my bed. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just kip a pitch or kip a pick a rug kip on a camp bed." <laughs> oh gosh, this was the, also this was the book where Scholastic stopped Americanizing uh, words. So Thank there's God. a few. I don't know if he said he was going to pit a kip or pick a kit. Kip, kip on a camp Ron's. bed. Yeah, Kippa, yeah. bed or something. <laughs> he was talking about a cot, uh, so, yeah. Ron was willing to go the distance for Crumb. He's going the go distance. But, uh, distance. <laughs> would Crumb ever say Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, speaking of unrequited love, oh, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, <laughs> but there is... Uh, a few empty. There are vacancies, uh, casual vacancies up oh. at the high table. There are oh. four, just very casually. Uh. Harry notices some vacancies that have befallen the uh, high table uh, of the Great Hall. Have you guys read that? Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> I have. They don't Actually, know no. Them. Yeah, cat's the weird one. The vacancies uh, will be filled very shortly. Uh, but first, the food—the moment everybody's waiting for—and. The thing of it is, um, this is the first of two feasts to that will be taking place um, because the chapter uh, spans 24 hours. And this actually feels like, well, I don't say it feels like, but you can make the comparison in the aftermath to like a, an, a season of 24, right? Yeah. <laughs> Every hour counts, um, takes place in a 24-hour period. I can see that it could be maybe translated to a TV show, but it is it is pretty smooth and without fail. But this is the first of two feasts. Um, and so this is the one that people kind of like the most. <laughs> By the time they get to the second one, Harry's like, eh, we just ate all this yesterday. Like, mm. Mm, this food, okay, big deal. Um, but the cool thing and the, the marking feature of this feast is that it features a larger variety. The house elves, you know, they must have imported the foreign house elves uh, for, for this feast because there are multicultured dishes. Uh, we're talking bouillabaisse. I believe that's not how that's said. No, um, you said it very no, that's right. That's good. That's right. Yeah, look at that. Um, and a number of just other things that uh, are eaten in the lands <clears throat> in which our foreign visitors who have arrived uh, are familiar with. And and so I thought that was a nice touch. Got it. Um, but also it, it, it kind of speaks to the larger international, you know, magical community where, you know, you're eating another culture's food. You should try 
In fact, I'm a little disappointed in the trio that they didn't try a little bit more to try the fish stew, the bouillabaisse. Uh, they pretty much dumped it well, off Hermione on Hermione had had it before. Her- she said it was quite good. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Hermione was being all yeah. cultured about it. Mm-hmm. I stand corrected. <laughs> and you know what, guys? There's a murder in this scene. There's a murder. A murder? Because oh, I think, yeah. Ron says that he passes on the bouillabaisse and he helps himself to black pudding. And you know what black pudding is made with? <laughs> Pig's blood. They murdered the desk pig to make the black pudding. <laughs> oh, I am so angry at those house elves. There are other desks, Cat. Don't you worry about the shortage of desks. <laughs> that you know of. There could be more. Maybe it had a family. Which is sadder that they killed it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, you know, there are other ones. There are little tiny desk pigs now. So Fleur comes over. We don't know it's Fleur just yet, but a, a a gorgeous blonde with hair down to her waist comes over. I think at this point she's still wearing her scarf. Asks for the bouillabaisse. And uh, Ron loses his voice a little bit. He loses words. Stop coming to him. And when they do return, he has my favorite line in this chapter. He says, they just don't make them like that at Hogwarts. <laughs> Oh, that is so awful. <laughs> Hermione, of course, <clears throat> replies, or no, Harry, actually. I expected to, Hermione to get offended, but of course so Harry uh, has a retort instead. Uh, and this is just, this is just goofy. This whole thing is just, just goofy. Who wants to reply in what Harry said? They make them okay at Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> and he says that while he's looking over at Cho. Okay. Super funny moment. Of course, we aren't really... It's not been confirmed yet, what we find out later regarding um, Fleur herself and why she seems to have that effect on women. But Harry is quick to note that it isn't just Ron, um, a bunch of other people across the Great Hall. As Fleur returns, they follow her with their eyes. Uh, I mentioned before the vacancy in chairs. It is taken up, or they uh, the chairs are filled, by Madame Maxime, Igor Karkaroff, and Barty Crouch Sr., the head of the International Magical Cooperation Department, and Ludo Bagman, the Department of Games and Sports, everybody. Yay! Yay! Mm-hmm. I have a question. What do you, who do you guys um, picture Ludo Bagman as? Because the only picture I have for him is the, the image they made for him in the Quidditch game for That's GameCube. That's the same picture I have. <laughs> yeah, that's the only wait, thing wait, I can Wait, wait, which Quidditch game is this? This is not Quidditch World Cup, is it? No, it, it, uh, yeah, I think it's just Quidditch. Is, is it called Quidditch? I think World so. Cup? Yeah, he's he's in yeah, he's in Quidditch World it. Cup, and he's got he he looks exactly how he's described in the book. He's like he's very <laughs> like plump and boyish, and he's got like a kind of short blonde hair, and he's kind of, he's yeah. wonderfully obnoxious. Yellow. Yeah, yeah. So and he wears his <laughs> wasp uniform still. Once everybody is seated, Dumbledore takes the stage. Or he you know he just kind of stands up, <laughs> and with the assistance of Filch. He reveals the Goblet of Fire, everybody. This is it. <laughs> it's not as grand this as is... in the movie. The Chalice of Champions. <laughs> epic, epic point. And it lives in a casket. But do you guys remember, I think one of the alternate titles J.K. Rowling revealed uh, was Harry Potter and the Doom Spell Tournament. Oh, really? Yeah. Confirmed. That was one of the, the old um, possible names. Doom Spell instead of Triwizard. Uh, tournament. I personally think it would have been much cooler as the Doom <laughs> spell, um, but I of course see where she was going with Tri Wizard. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. The been. irony is kind of beautiful. 
Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> I would I would have preferred um, Dry Wizard Tournament as the even as the title almost just cuz to, to the Goblet of Fire. The Goblet of Fire. And I know she frequently names the books after like kind of the like the MacGuffin thing that's just there like an object or something that <laughs> like doesn't really Like Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, well, yeah, the also Order of the Phoenix. something of something. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I cuz but you know, Chamber of Secrets and Prisoner of Azkaban, those titles are pretty like What's in the title is pretty important. And the rest are kind of just like objects that happen to be there, organizations in one particular respect. So I, 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 the Goblet of Fire really, and you know, we're going to talk about it quite a bit in this chapter, I suppose. But the Goblet of yeah, Fire. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, being that this is called the Goblet of Fire, I kind of hope to get more info on what exactly the, the Goblet is. It's basically an impartial judge. And this is Dumbledore's uh, summary of it is, is you know, essentially they're going to walk up, they're going to have to put their names in it, we all know how this works, um, and basically it will decide uh, who will be the champion from each school, one champion from each participating school. Now, new this year, it seems, and, and certainly separate from the goblet itself, is Dumbledore's age line, which he introduces nobody under 17 may cross the age line, and put their name in the Goblet of Fire. It will not work. Don't try it. So Fred and George, of course, immediately as this is being announced, are like, hmm, I reckon a bit of aging potion should take care of that, don't you, George? And George's like, yeah. And so they resolve to cheat it already, and there will always be those people. Um, but essentially just them, everybody's caught in the moment and how glorious this is going to be to witness this. And 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 surprise, there's only 24 hours, the next 24 hours they will be back in the Great Hall and find out who the champions are. How cool is that? The next morning, um, they rise to find that all of the uh, Durmstrangs have already been in. They've entered their names. Everything is good on that front. And Harry, Ron, and Hermione get down to the entrance hall. Pretty much the whole castle is up a little bit earlier than they normally would be for a Saturday. And Fred and George, they arrive just in time to see Fred and George whip out an aging potion just a drop will do it because they're actually, it turns out, they're only a few, is it months, weeks? Away months. from being 17. So they're very close to 17 as it is. They just made the age cutoff. So with an aging potion, they take a drop. Suddenly they're 17. We should cross. We should go put our names in. Well, it doesn't work. Michael, hmm? do you think that if you were at Hogwarts... If I was at because, Hogwarts. Because I just learned about, you know, your birthdays. Oh yes. And um, <laughs> what um, do you think it would work for you? So I don't huh. know if you want to fill the readers in. Oh yes, every think. everybody can know about that. I'm sure the government is watching my Facebook and getting really angry right now. Um, but yes, I, I because I was adopted um, from India when when my parents came to uh, when my mother came to get me, I wasn't old enough to leave the country. So my doctor lied on my birth certificate. So the day that we are recording this, October twenty fourth. Um, is my legal birthday, but March 9th is my real birthday. That's fascinating. Um, uh, <laughs> that's great. You should tell that at parties. Um, <laughs> but I, which I do. This is kind of a party of sorts. This is a party. It's our little Harry Potter party. But yes, uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I, I mean, I suppose because it's magic, the magic would probably detect my actual... Because the magic seems to detect just like inherently what it is about you so i think it would know that if like i tried it on october 24th 
that that wouldn't work. But then I just ask Dumbledore and be it's like it's on my legal documents. Let me. <laughs> I wouldn't try. I, what am I talking about? I'm not going to enter the Triwizard Tournament. <laughs> <laughs> but what if Fred and George had taken Time Turners back a few months and then gone? Whoa! Mm, Whoa! That step is back! Smart. Step back! <laughs> Yeah. Well, then they would have aged up properly, wouldn't they? I don't. I mean, they'd have fun pulling pranks for three months, you know, um, or whatever it is. But or maybe you know, it's based that, on that, birthday. I don't know. That is really the question. I'm inclined to think that it's more like the government that Michael, yeah. for instance, would be able to enter because I, my big question coming out of this chapter, and and it's not you know so pressing as to be a podcast question of the week, but ultimately, I don't know why the age line is is not fooled by an aging potion because if an yeah. aging potion works as advertised fred and george actually should be 17 um or all of the outward manifestations of 17 that an aging potion would cause um i mean it strikes me as being something that's irreversible right i mean unless you have a I guess if shrinking solutions are what causes the They can the go in the, the baby to... jar, the time the jar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I... But ultimately, like, why doesn't this work? Like, the age line is somehow more intelligent than it could possibly be. Same with the goblet, almost. Um, the, the, the idea that we not only have this impartial judge, who's, it's a goblet, come on, and it knows your innermost worthiness um, or worth... But, you know, also we have this age line that Dumbledore comes up with, and it's not fooled by Fred and George or a Hufflepuff boy or a Ravenclaw girl who both tried also and got beards because of it. I'm assuming that the aging potion works like polyjuice, where it wears off after a while. But ultimately, why doesn't it work at the moment when they jump in? Because I think it's just a facade. Yeah, I think, uh, like, you're kind of saying it's just, like, aesthetic. Like, like if you... you if you did use an aging potion, quite a, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's not really it 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 doesn't like I suppose change your genetics. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Well, why does an aging potion exist at all? Why does it age you if it doesn't age you? You know what I'm saying? Because then you can why you know they, walk into why aren't a, they actually 17? Because when then they you take can it. walk into a pub, a wizarding pub that you you're not allowed to walk <laughs> into, and you'd be like, "I'm 24, and you look 24, and that's how it works." That. <laughs> That is well, my lazy explanation for that. So clearly it doesn't change time and space to make your birthday earlier or no, whatever. It does it's not. It's not your doctor, after all, um, to make <laughs> you older. But but I, I do think that, you know, I, I think that Fred and George, I, frankly, I think the aging potion should have worked. The fact that Dumbledore was onto them, you know, great. Who's to say that it really would have called their name anyway if they had entered? Come yeah. on. Yeah, it's friend George. I always, but it's humorous. See, when I, I read you know, when I read these parts of the books and those that kind of stuff happens, I always just assume that because Dumbledore is all powerful, awesome magic kind of magic, I'm just like that's just because Dumbledore drew a really really good age line. That was some exceptional chalk he used. So <laughs> <laughs> it's Dumbledore. Short it's answer. Dumbledore. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's um. Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ho, ho. Oh, ho, ho. Uh, no, that's Santa. <laughs> that's Ludo Bagman. <laughs> yeah. Well, even though Fred and George are not able to enter, um, they have a good laugh because Fred and George both spout very white, long beards. But the Gryffindors this year do have somebody to back. 
it's Angelina Johnson who comes through the Great Hall. And she's like, yeah, my birthday was just like a couple weeks ago. I'm 17 and I'm going to do it. And they're like, do it. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to do it. And she puts it in. But yes, Angelina Johnson for Gryffindor, everybody. for Gryffindor. And the Gryffindors are just so happy in this fleeting moment yeah. to have somebody um, to to get behind. Because that looker, Cedric Diggory, everybody seems to not like him except the Puffs. Just saying. So, um, just, you know, we're kind of nearing the end of the chapter. Essentially, they have the whole day ahead of them. It's Saturday. The feast is not until the, this evening. They haven't been to visit Hagrid yet this whole term. He was beginning to feel like they forgot where he lived. <laughs> they decide to visit Hagrid. Of course, Ron is very apprehensive. That's not the right word for that. Um, but it's because of the blast ended scroots, and it turns out that they are growing, they're killing each other, and they're fortunately off-site. How cool is that, right? They can actually visit Hagrid without having to deal with another one of his stupid beasts. <laughs> You know, really the only thing of note when they visit Hagrid, in my estimation, is is the fact that Hermione was thrilled to go there because she wants to recruit him to SPEW, uh, or SBW, sorry. The Society for the Prevention of Elvish Welfare. That's correct. Um, but Hagrid doesn't buy it, guys. Shuts her down. Ooh, yeah, just like that. that. That made me a little sad because Hagrid's usually very supportive of Hermione, um, <laughs> especially when, the other, when Ron and Harry are jerks to her. Like, but I think sometimes too much so. I think that um, Hermione needed this. Like, somebody that she trusted, that she knows is, you know, okay, he might be questionable sometimes, but his heart's always in the right place. So I think this was important for her to be told no in this instance. Yeah. I mean, it's a Cut shame it, it doesn't do her sex. more good. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> But yet again, you have somebody who's, who says, and look, this is not the first time. George, I believe, said this too. You know, He says, it's their nature to serve, and, and it's not something we can really question. Oh, close-minded. Yes, she's, she's, I guess Hermione is a little bit discouraged, but ultimately, he doesn't buy it. And I, I don't know. I mean, we've, we've talked about elvish welfare before on this show and how we really feel. But that's how Hagrid feels, and, and he refers to Dobby, um, Brizzy, just as you did, you know, the odd one of the bunch. He said, sure, you know, if you give freedom to these elves, there's going to be a few who, who would choose to take it, sure. But the vast majority are simply happy where they are, and, you know, it would actually be doing them a disservice to take them away from what they feel is their life's calling. Essentially, um, after Hagrid's, uh, well, of course, we forgot to mention, Hagrid is dressed up very nicely, and by nicely, I mean not very nicely at all whatsoever. This is a mystery that gets wrapped up pretty quickly. Um, essentially, he is wooing Madame Maxime. Yeah, I love I love. Just ditches them. Yeah, I was going to say, he just walks <laughs> off. He doesn't like, even say bye. He's like, see ya, but not see ya. Sorry, not sorry. Go wash my face. Oh, look at the pretty lady. <laughs> <laughs> just leaves them in his house. Lovely with ladies. All... Oh, oh, oh. Oh, nice. You, you Good just reference. Lay, you just lay mizzed. Once they go up to the castle, Harry and Hermione and, and, and who's the third guy? Ron. <laughs> close up, close up Hagrid's hut. They don't pet Fang goodbye, which I'm just like, Fang could have walked away by now and totally like started a new life because nobody gives him any love. Um, they go up to the castle and here's the interesting thing, again, about the Goblet of Fire having a mind of its own. Dumbledore predicts when the Goblet of Fire is going to be ready. He says, I predict, <laughs> here's a quote. 
He says the goblet is ready to make its decision. I estimate that it needs one more minute. <laughs> that man's got it down. <laughs> for like 60 seconds. Is, is it a bomb? Is there a timer on it when it's ready to spew out some you, of these You don't know. Maybe, maybe Dumbledore has a really great relationship with the Goblet of Fire. Like he goes up close and is like, are you ready yet? And the goblet's like, I need another minute. <laughs> and, then, and that's how it goes. You don't know. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. That's the brilliant idea sound. It just happens to be a text message received sound that sounds that's, like brilliant idea. That's Michael. the OGM moment. Oh. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh gosh, um, I like your idea. Actually, I think perhaps the goblet is where Dumbledore sleeps <laughs> at, at night when it's not on fire in obviously. a casket. vampire dumbledore too true true. probably still a lot although you've seen the casket in the movie that this thing is kept in much cooler than the the gravestone that they have over dumbledore's (laughs) grave in the later movie (laughs) can we all agree that's all um i actually kind of like his tomb but we'll get there in four years okay okay the ikea tomb cat's a fan oh um oh (laughs) well uh regardless the champions are named for Durmstrang, Victor Crumb, for Bobatons, Fleur de la Cour, and for Hogwarts, Cedric Diggory. Everyone's just like, uh no. Dumbledore begins a speech about how glorious it is. But he can't get through it because the Bobatons girls are crying too loudly. <laughs> <laughs> this is like... She's not even I... pretty! She hurt us so much! She's happy like she cheated. It's not fair! Do you think Do you think the goblet is affected by Fleur's charms? <gasps> oh. That's such a good question! <laughs> God, it wasn't like meant to be such a good girl. question. I would take it back if I knew how much you were going to praise and give credence to that question. <laughs> it's she, the, that implies that the goblet is male, or, no, it, or no. is a lesbian and likes girls. Yes. <laughs> or maybe the goblet is just very open-minded, like, <laughs> <laughs> a swinger. Yeah, maybe. True. So she, so swinger. she, she, with her piece of paper with her name on it, she also like plucked one of her hairs and wrapped it up in oh. there. Like, yeah. she my drew God, a she might What's have. that thing that girls do? Little hearts or like an XOXO at the end of the name? XOXO. <laughs> that does, uh, that, you know, it is somewhat fair to question. because as, as much as Fleur does prove herself later on in the series, she is horrible at this tournament. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. Not to prognosticate. Yeah, she, she pretty much breaks down and falls out and isn't really made of the stuff that you think a t- t- tournament person should be made of. Yeah. Um. I think it. I think it. It. It does answer that. But but since we are short on time, we should perhaps revisit that later. Yeah. And except to say that the there is a fourth champion. Uh, nobody expects. Pff, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, the the goblet turns red again after going from blue to red to blue to red to blue to red. Turns red and spits out one further name. It is read off as the closing words of this chapter: Harry Potter. Or Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter! <laughs> Harry Potter! <laughs> Harry Potter! <laughs> Harry Potter! <laughs> I protest! I protest! <laughs> oh God. I love this. 
This is sad that this has to end. This episode is everything. <laughs> <laughs> that concludes our chapter discussion for chapter 16. <laughs> ah. Ah. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> so, for the podcast question of the week, uh, I was pondering how the Goblet of Fire works, because it's it's a strange little device that we get absolutely no explanation on in the book and so far on Pottermore, which I'm crossing my fingers that will eventually happen. Well, you're asking the question, so they'll answer it. Yes, um, or Brizzy, you guys. I'm, we're, we're positive that they listen to the show, because when we ask a question, and the next time they release chapters, they answer it. <laughs> yes. So if you have a question for Joe... Let's always follow Pottermore. Let's never get ahead of them. <laughs> So Pottermore, That's listen curious. carefully, because I got a few, I got a few questions about the guy. And a- Eric, actually, your part of the question is tied in with what I was asking because I was interested in that part as well. Um, okay. But the full question for this week: the Goblet of Fire, though seen only briefly, is the plot device that sets the main story in motion, and of course, is what the book is named after. Based on its description, it's clearly a very old artifact. So what is the story behind the Goblet of Fire? How was it created? What is the magic that makes it function? And was it always intended to be utilized for the Triwizard Tournament? Or did it have other uses before that? Because the tournament is notably called the Triwizard Tournament, but the Goblet is very easily tricked into spewing out four (laughs) names, so it clearly doesn't understand what this tournament is about. (laughs) You know know what? You know what it is? (laughs) And picking half Vila girls who don't know how to do a tournament. Because it is oh, specifically gosh. stated that that the uh, the goblet was tricked by Harry's name being put under a fourth school, which again is not a thing that's really questioned. But it was, uh, he was put under pig farts. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask what the fourth school is. I think we'll have to ask that as our podcast question of the week when that becomes relevant. <laughs> and yeah. we also do want to know more about this binding magical contract that the goblet put you under uh it certainly sounds like a bit of unbreakable vow type stuff yeah Um, but it's all just instilled into the goblet because then harry has to enter uh otherwise there's a lot of strong implications that if he doesn't he'll just drop over dead (laughs) yeah (laughs) pretty much so yes please listeners explore the goblet of fire for us and tell us how you think it works absolutely and we want to thank you, Brizzy, again, for coming on. This has been an exceptionally lovely episode. Oh, it's been so fun being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I listen to podcasts all the time, and I've never actually recorded a proper one, so this has been amazing. Oh, you're first. Yeah, yeah. Something to add um, to your voice acting resume. Right. Remind our listeners where they can find you on YouTube. Yes, I'm at youtube.com slash brizzy. That's B-R-I-Z-Z-Y. And I'm on Twitter at Brizzy Voices. I'm, I'm sitting here being like, be just like Ron. I'm like, Brizzy and I, we're going to do a joint video together. We're going to do five <laughs> joint videos together. We're going to have so much fun because we're going to be best friends forever. Let's make our very own cartoon. Let's do it. That sounds so fun. I would watch that cartoon. Can I just say that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, legitimately. Although, although my actual favorite voice actor would, in the whole world, besides you guys, would have to also be on it. Uh, you guys need to rope in Clancy Brown. I've totally heard of this person. Who is I've, he? Yeah, yes. never really. Who, yeah. Uh, well, he's voiced a ton of stuff, I'm sure. Oh, that, oh, he's Mr. Uh, Krabs, isn't he? He's Mr. Krabs. Oh. 
Um, but before he was Mr. Krabs, he was <laughs> Dr. Neo Cortex in Crash Bandicoot 2. <laughs> Cortex strikes back. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, if you, the listener, would like to be on our show the way that Brizzy was, or perhaps in your own very unique and special way, showcasing your unique talent, head over to our website and check out the Be On The Show page. That web address is alohomora.mugglenet.com. Now, there are some requirements. Master, there are a few provisos um, in here. I don't bring people back from the dead. It's not a pretty picture. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like doing it. Ah. (laughs) Um, The provisos are to please have appropriate audio equipment before you submit a request to be on the show. Uh, Simple microphone, lack of fan, background noise, and recording software is necessary. In the meantime, or if you just uh, are more interested in listening, please don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review, which is a wonderful way to tell others how you feel about us and also how great we are because it will encourage others to subscribe and listen as well. And there are so many ways to contact us, so I'll have Harry, Ron, and Hermione help me with this. So let's see what they have to say about this. Well... You could go to uh, Twitter, our Twittle, ha- twi- twit- twittle handle, Twittle handle, Twittle little little little. Our Twitter Twitter handle is at Alhamora MN. Uh, so that's how you can tweet us with your thoughts. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash open the Dumbledore. Oh, I've always wanted to say that. Oh my God. And so you can call us. We actually have a number on the Felitone. It's 206 go Albus. <laughs> And for the real number is 206-462-5287. And we now have audio boo. So you can leave us messages directly on alahamora.mugglenet.com, which is the main website. And it could be played on the show, just like Pigwitchin's message was played tonight. Yeah, it's pretty weird that my, my owl can actually call in to the show. It's free, Ronald. And all you need is a microphone and an internet connection. But if you're listening, you probably already have one of those. Wow, bravo, Michael. I'm sorry. I'm not showing off at all. (laughs) Um, And of course, as always, don't forget to check out our store. Over 75 really awesome products to choose from. T-shirts, tote bags, sweatshirts, super expensive flip-flops, but they're worth it. Um, Water (laughs) bottles, travel mugs, and so much more coming soon. And don't forget about the ringtones on our site, too. They're free. There's like... Eight of them, six of them, eight of them, whatever. Download them. They're awesome. We love them. Yes, we do. And also, there is the Alohomora application. Yay. I suppose we just call it an app. It's short because it goes on your phone. It is available seemingly worldwide. (laughs) We put that at the end of every doc, and I I just have to laugh. Prices (laughs) do vary, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. It is $1.99 in the United States and £1.29p in Great Britain. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, that means pence. 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 Pants. Sounds like pants. Pants. Pantaloons. Pantaloons. Of course. <laughs> of course, our app features transcripts, bloopers, alternate endings, host vlogs, and much more. And all of the information on how to get the app can be found on our website. 
alohamore.mongolin.com. So with that, I think we'll wrap up tonight's show. I am Michael Harley. I am Eric Skull. And I am Kat Miller. Thank you for listening to episode 54 of Alohamora. Open the Dumbledore. Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? That's that's my blast and it's groom. That's awesome. <laughs> that one is that's dying. That's nomming on Hagrid's fingers. Some of Hagrid's fingers are missing. Well, not missing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that explains why his beef casserole sucked. Oh, 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 fingers, oh. Those fingers. Oh, does he need a reason to not be a good cook? Come on. Ooh, the he's, too, he's clumsy in the kitchen. Um, and I think that sorting as an establishment is, is kind of a humans only thing. Excuse me? Um, house elves are people too. S-P-E-W. S-P-E-W. No, Honestly, Ronald. <laughs> the, um, pardon me while a train goes by. And, and apologies to all house elves out there. Who really <laughs> uh, yes, we don't. We don't want to alienate. Come be in my split house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> come on, be a guest on Alhamora, all you house elves. <laughs> oh my god, I would love it. <laughs> hey, what would what would a what would a house elf sound like if you were on this show? Brizzy, <laughs> <laughs> I I let the guests go first. Dobby, sir. No, nope, I can't do Dobby. Nope. <laughs> I wish Winky were in the films. I would love to do her voice. Just do a Winky. Just do what you would think Winky please, would sound sir. like. Please, Winky, sir. please, Mr. sir. Me, <laughs> that sounds like Cho. <laughs> well, I get a moaning Myrtle ass. Yeah, I got. Oh, yeah, the crying definitely yeah. sounded like Myrtle. Moaning Myrtle's on the show. That's true. <laughs> oh, but she's drunk, isn't she? In the <laughs> main scene that we meet. <laughs> oh, I need. I need um. Pardon me. Lubrication. Oh, my. Just a glass of water. Come on. <laughs> hey, hey. You use that word. Yeah, you said it. Yep. Mm-hmm. What else are you going to call it? Water. <laughs> <laughs>